0: And answers. When calamity strikes, like the COVID 19 crisis, people ask if God exists, why is there so much evil and suffering? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukren. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In a recent message delivered to students in New York, Pat addressed this question and other challenges related to God and the problem of evil and suffering. Now with part one of this message entitled, If God Exists, Why Is There So Much Evil and Suffering? is our host, Pat Zucran.
1: We're talking about, you know, one of the great challenges that face not only the Christian, but really all worldviews and ideologies. And that's the problem of evil and suffering. And of all the worldviews and ideologies out there, I believe it's the Christian worldview that offers really the only reasonable answers and is the only one that can really provide a meaningful message of hope in the midst of suffering. Now, I don't think the Christian worldview or the Bible answers all our questions about all the evil and the events that are out there. I certainly can't. But I think it offers the best and most reasonable answers that are out there. And I know a lot of you are hurting out there. You may have loved ones who are sick, may have lost your jobs, or and there's a lot of questions out there. And I'm sure today the things that I say may not dispel and answer all your questions or take away the pain that you feel. But I think the things that we're going to share, I think, give the most reasonable answers for the problem of evil and suffering, and I think bring the best message of hope, of true hope, in times like these. Now, I'll be giving you just a brief sermon in about 30 minutes. We'll cover some topics on the problem of evil and suffering, but for a full extensive treatment you can go to my website here evidenceandanswers.org as paul talked about it's a great resource for you where i interview some of the top christian scholars from all over the world and we do some great interviews on this very topic god evil and the problem of suffering in fact i even wrote an article on covid19 answering the questions that are coming and the one i just wrote is uh, is covid19 god's judgment upon us all Right. so you can get the full short article there and interviews with some of the top scholars from all over the world on all kinds of subjects science and faith the world religions islam you know medical ethics you name it great resource there for you so if you want to read some more i invite you to go to our website now when it comes to the problem of evil and suffering as i said i think it's the christian worldview that offers the most reasonable answers but also the only one that can give a meaningful message of hope. Consider the other worldviews, naturalism or atheism and pantheism. Pantheism means all is God. God is not a personal being. God is a it. He is the cosmic energy of the universe. Everything in the universe makes of God. Pantheism is the foundation of Religions like Taoism and Hinduism and Northern Buddhism and others. Consider their answers to the problem of evil and suffering. Atheism has some problems because, first of all, you need to answer, how do you define evil? Now, for the atheist, that poses a problem because something cannot be objectively evil unless there is an absolute standard of good by which we're measuring it by, right? You can't say something is objectively evil unless there's an absolute standard of good from which we have deviated. C.S. Lewis, so atheism affirms evil, but denies God. And that's your problem. How do you define evil? Now, C.S. Lewis said, this is one of the things that brought him to faith in Christ. C.S. Lewis, of course, is the great author of the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, became a Christian later in life and became one of the great defenders of the Christian faith. And in in his book, Mere Christianity, he says, as an atheist, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A Man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing the universe to when I called it unjust? Right, so... Something cannot be objectively evil unless there's an absolute standard of good from which we have deviated. Where does that absolute standard come from? A moral law requires a moral, a personal moral law giver. Where does that absolute standard come from? I remember in my debate at that time, he was one of the most popular atheists on the Internet, Luke Muehlhauser, Common Sense Atheism. And his first question to me, of course, was this one. If God exists, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? And I said, Luke, would you define evil for me? And he was caught a little off guard. Uh, Nobody had asked him that question before. And he didn't want to answer it. He changed the topic quickly. And I said, Luke, you know why you don't want to answer that question? Because if you say there's something that's objectively evil, there's an absolute standard of good by which you're measuring it by. And where does that absolute standard come from? You can't have a moral law without a moral lawgiver, right? So atheism uh, runs into some problems there. Well, what about pantheism? Pantheism, pan means all, theism means God. It's the foundation of the Eastern religions. Teaches that all is God, all is one monism. God is not a personal being. God is the it. God is the cosmic energy of the universe, or some pantheist religions have tried to make God or the one a conscious being or personal being. They call it the, the consciousness of the universe or whatever it may be. But you run into some problems here as well. First of all, if God is all and the universe is God, then good and evil reside in God. Now you've got a problem here. All right, good and evil you know are resident within god himself and so you end up in systems like taoism or hinduism where evil is not really evil it just is you know like in taoism the ying and the yang light darkness life death you know they're in a balance all right like star wars right the jedi we're not there to defeat the dark side, just bring balance to the force. In Taoism, you don't defeat darkness, you don't defeat death, it just is. You just accept it and go along with it. Or a more popular view is that you know, the world, the physical world is an illusion, right? A pantheist said that whatever changes is not real. You know? And so the world is not real. And so evil is an illusion when I go to Asia, I run into a lot of that. Well, any worldview that would treat the problem of evil and suffering as an illusion, what planet are you on? Of course, it's real. So pantheism runs into some problems here. I think Christianity, the Christian worldview offers the best answer compared to all the alternatives that are out there. So you see how evil actually, when it comes to atheism, let's go back here to C.S. Lewis how it actually boomerangs right back into another proof for the existence of God, right? Because if there is something that's objectively evil, there's an absolute standard of good by which you're measuring it. Absolute moral law requires a moral lawgiver, and it boomerangs right back into another evidence for the existence of God. Now, so naturalism affirms evil but denies God. Pantheism affirms God but denies evil as a reality theism is the christian worldview that affirms both god and evil and i think that's why the christian worldview can give you the best and most reasonable answers because it affirms both now let's work with the definition of evil here what do we mean by evil well evil is a deprivation of some particular good that should be there and that's the definition of evil okay now we're gonna tackle some of the toughest questions that have been asked regarding god and the problem of evil and suffering right and the first one is what is the origin of evil now the argument the syllogism usually goes like this god is absolutely perfect god cannot create anything imperfect and a perfect creature cannot do evil. Therefore, evil cannot arise in such a world. But evil did arise in this world. Hence, either one or two or both premises are false. That's usually the argument there. It comes to us from David Hume, one of the brilliant atheist minds, to pose this argument here. Well, how do we answer this argument here? Think about it for a second. I'll let you ponder which premise you think is incorrect one two three four five or six think about it for a second the answer is number three and a perfect creature cannot do evil all right? premise one is correct god is absolutely perfect it does not create anything imperfect all right but number three is the premise that is incorrect and this is the answer to the origin of evil when God created all things, he created all things good. And one of the good things he gave was creatures who had free will. Okay, Free will is not evil. It's a good thing. right? And a perfect creature must be able to do the greatest possible good that can be done. And what is the greatest possible good that can be done? Well, it's to love. But love requires free will. You have to choose to enter into that relationship. If I create you to love me, well, I haven't created a free creature that can love. I've just pretty much created a robot. So God created perfect beings who can do the greatest good, which is love, but love must be freely given. It requires free will, all right and that's a good thing. None of us fight to be in slavery, none of us fight to be in bondage, but that's one of the things our founding fathers understood when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, that freedom was an innate part of us designed by our creator. Let me give you an example here. Suppose I was an all-powerful king, all right, and I saw a beautiful girl in the city and I went up to her and I said you will love me and you will marry me or I will kill your family I'll burn your house down and I'll kill your dog and your cat too all right well does she have a choice no she doesn't will I ever know if she truly loves me or not probably not because uh, she had no choice in the matter right but let's just suppose like the great romance novels have for us that I come as a pauper, all right? And she doesn't know that I am a great king. And I come to her and I build a friendship with her. Now she has a choice between all the men of the land or me. Okay, she doesn't know what my identity is, right? And of all the men in the land, she chooses me freely. Now do I know if she loves me or not? Yeah, why? Because she had freedom. She had the ability to choose and of all the choices, She chose me. Okay, so love requires a free will, but in free will, there is the potential for evil. See, free will is not evil, it's a good thing, all right. But in it, there is the potential to do evil because it is the power to do otherwise than good. All right, so Adam and Eve, given the ability to choose to love God. Or disobey in their freedom when they had the opportunity they chose to disobey all right and that is how sin and evil entered into the world so God made evil possible by creating beings who could love and had free will but it's a man who made evil actual okay for example suppose I give pastor Paul Uh, the keys to my car and a 100 bucks and i said paul go out there and buy us some pizza all right for lunch this afternoon keeping six feet away from each other of course and so i give him a 100 bucks and the keys to my car now is what i did evil no all right now what paul does with a hundred dollars and my car he has the potential to do good run there to domino's and get pizza and bring it back for us or he has the potential to do evil He can take the cargo drag racing on the highway or something All right so what I did is not evil but what Paul does with the freedom I gave him there is the potential for evil and so that is how a perfect creature can do evil and that is how sin and evil entered into the world the next question is why does God allow evil to persist Why does God allow evil to continue? Why doesn't he stomp it out right now? And here's usually the argument. If God is all good, he would defeat evil. If God is all powerful, he could defeat evil. But evil is not defeated. Therefore, no such God exists. All right. Now, that's usually the argument there. Now, which premise is incorrect here? Take a couple seconds to think about it. It's number three, okay? It's a little trick in how the argument is presented here. God is all good. He would defeat evil, correct? If God is all powerful, he could, yes. But number three, evil is not defeated, implying it will never be defeated. That premise is wrong. There's no way for the objector to know this, right? unless he is God himself. Perhaps God allows evil and the suffering that comes with it somehow to bring about his purpose in this life. And that at a future time, he will bring an end to all evil and suffering. So the answer looks like this. God is all good. He would defeat evil. God is all powerful. He could defeat evil, but evil is not yet defeated. Therefore, it will one day be defeated, right? nature of the God of the Bible guarantees it. He's all powerful. He can do it. He's all good. He wants to do it. Hence, he will do it. All right. And how will he do it? Well, separating good and evil forever on the final judgment day. By quarantining evil, separating the righteous from the unrighteous in heaven and in hell so we do live in a just universe where righteousness shall be rewarded and evil shall receive its due judgment now the official defeat of evil occurred on the cross that we celebrate but the actual defeat is going to be when christ returns all right. So evil has been officially defeated, but it's actual defeat will occur when Christ returns. You know, in World War II, d D-Day was the most massive launch, you know, ground assault ever in the history of the world where tens of thousands of troops were landed on the shores of France. And when D-Day was successful, all right, and we started moving, we knew we were going to win the war. All right, it was just a matter of time till we got into Germany and, you know, conquered the city. It was just a matter of time. Well, our D-Day has come, okay, on the cross with Jesus Christ, right? And that's a true hope. It's a historical event. The evidence for the resurrection is very compelling. So our D-Day has come. We're simply waiting for V-Day or Victory Day when at Christ's return he shall judge evil and end suffering well why doesn't he do it now well second peter chapter 3 peter answers that question for us the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance you know i used to be on a two-hour talk show political talk show out here in hawaii with the former lieutenant governor of hawaii and we always had our great, for some reason, all the atheists and the, the objectives would wait for Thursday afternoon when I was on the air, and they would all start calling. We had Thomas the Atheist, Kit Koa the Communist, Obamacare, Jim, and and others. And I remember Thomas the Atheist asking me, you know, if God could destroy evil and He's all power, why doesn't he do it now? And I said, Thomas, you're the reason why he's waiting for people like Thomas and others to come to faith in Christ. I'm glad he did i'm glad he does because if god were to end evil now and judge evil now then everyone who doesn't know jesus christ as lord and savior will be separated from him forever in hell i'm glad that christ didn't come back in 1980 you know because if he did come back in 1980 i'd be in hell and separated from god forever all right so god allows Evil to run its course, but it won't be this way forever. One day he will bring it to an end, okay, and he will judge evil and separate good from evil, okay? So it's not going to be this way forever, but right now he is patient, even using, you know, evil and suffering to bring about his purpose, which is always for our good and his glory. All right, the question I skipped is what are the effects of evil? Well, sin and evil has infected and affected all aspects of God's creation. From our nature, we have a fallen nature, so we can do great good because we're designing the image of God. But because we are fallen, our natural tendency is to serve self and so we can commit great acts of evil as well and we live in a fallen world now where the effects of sin upon creation are seen and so there's two types of evil now that we contend with that has affected all aspects of creation there's what we call moral evil which is evil that is the result of immoral decisions That human beings make and inflict suffering upon one another. And then there's what we call natural evil, all right? Evil resulting from nature, a being a part of a fallen world, earthquakes, tsunami, pandemics, like you see now. It's part of being in the fallen world. And God uses both, all right? He allows free creatures to suffer the consequences. Of the disobedience and the bad decisions that they make. And because we now live in a fallen world, there is natural evil that occurs. And God uses even those events to bring about his purpose in our lives and in this world. There's no way we're gonna know, okay, the explanation and the purpose of God in every event. All right, but we know that God is all powerful. God is in control. His wisdom far exceeds ours and is able to bring about his purpose even in these tragedies. Now, is there hope in the midst of evil and suffering? I'm going to say the Christian worldview is the only one that offers a meaningful, true message of hope in the midst of evil and suffering. What does atheism offer? Well, in atheism, the universe is an accident. There's no purpose for its existence, all right? Just exploded out of nothing into being. And there's no purpose, rhyme, or reason why it's here. And since the universe is an accident, we are an accident as well. There's really no purpose for our existence here. And as the universe expands, it's going to run out of energy and reach a state of final entropy. And the universe comes to an end. And the question the naturalists must ask themselves is, well, what difference did it ever make that we were here? Or did it make any difference? And you come to the conclusion that all the great atheists have come to, that life is ultimately meaningless. All right? There's really no ultimate purpose for our existence here. We exist for a brief moment in time, and we're gone. All right? you know, As an atheist, for many years, I had to wrestle with that ultimate question. What difference does it make for the scientists who discovers great cures for pandemics when ultimately everything ends in death and extinction? What purpose is there for the soldier who fights for freedom in foreign lands, uh, gives his life, yet everything ends in annihilation and extinction? What purpose is there ultimately for the politician who fights for freedom and justice and in the end all ends in extinction and annihilation? So if that is indeed the case, our existence, including our suffering, ultimately has no meaning. There is no hope. The only sure thing you have is extin—you know your extinction and annihilation, and the extinction and annihilation eventually of all the universe as it runs out of energy and reaches its state of final entropy.
0: That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website at evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners, for the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. i mm-hmm.